Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology podcast that comes out every new and full moon to help guide you on your mindful meditation and manifestation journey. I'm your host, Aurora, and this episode is all about the full moon in Cancer. This is also known as the cold moon, since in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the month when winter begins. And I have to apologize right at the start because I also have a little bit of a cold. So if you hear me sounding a little bit off my game or sounding a little bit stuffed up, I apologize, but I'm still working hard to put this out there for you. Let's get started with the song Cold Moon by My Wee La Lupa off of Ended Up Making Love. We'll be right back with all that full moon and cancer goodness.
I feel like that's such a wonderful song to start this off. Cancer is so full of feelings and emotions, and at this time of year when it's cold outside, it can feel extra lonely when you don't have that special somebody uh, to keep you warm when it's cold outside. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and talk about the full moon in Cancer and how we can use it to manifest. This is a special full moon because not only is it the full moon in Cancer, but it's also the winter solstice. In a way, this is the mother of all full moons. It's on the longest, darkest night of the year, so this full moon is definitely in its element. It's also smack dab right in the middle of the holidays, so it can go a ways to further help explain why this can be such an emotional time of year since the moon rules our emotions, and in a way, this is the moon of moons ruling our emotions because that's what cancer is all about. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you know that full moons are a great time for doing ritual release work. They can also be really dramatic and bring things to a head or bring about uh, the culmination of previous opportunities that have been set up in the past or romances can kind of come to blossom during a full moon. It can be a prime time for getting out and about and moving and shaking a little bit, being out in, in the world and being seen by people. But it's also a really dramatic time in general. And release work is a great thing to do, but I want to add another layer into this month's ritual that you might not always think about. Instead of letting that old, nasty, shitty energy go, which is great, by the way. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying instead of just doing that and being done with it, I want you to think of the things that you're ready to let go of and even if it somehow scarred you in some way, maybe you're still wounded by it or by someone's action or even inaction. Maybe you didn't get enough out of some sort of situation or from someone. Um, and instead of just letting it go and moving on, I'm asking you to send it positive energy. Find a few minutes at the very least to center yourself and to focus on the feeling of joy and completeness and wholeness and try to envision yourself being surrounded by a rosy pink happy light and then after you've kind of gotten your fill of that energy send that to the people that you have found challenging in your life when you send good energy towards a situation you're way 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 more likely not just to help that situation come to a peaceful or happy resolution but also you are shifting your focus away from a purely negative feeling or a bad taste in your mouth with that interaction to moving towards a place of healing by doing this, you're shifting the energy away from your frustrations with the situation. You're actually supporting those you find challenging from afar. In shamanic traditions, it's said that the prayer of those who pray for others are heard first, since they are often selfless and, because of that, without self-interest. Also, people who send energy to those who they themselves find frustrating are putting their own desires aside, and they're able to step back and look at how the well-being of another they 
don't fully understand on the surface can still be beneficial to the entire energetic ecosystem. And this way you become a good steward of your environment and it removes the ego and the self from the equation. It's not unusual that after working in this way that you find that your own wants, wishes, and desires tend to find a happy resolution as well because you've stopped focusing on whatever it is that you want to fix and instead start a positive energetic chain reaction to benefit the environment. This is far more powerful than simply asking the goddess or the moon for something for yourself. I also suspect that if you're a big enough person to be able to eviscerate your own soft underbelly to find a way to come to terms with a less than desirable situation, then you're also more than capable of understanding how that said situation might actually be for the best in the long run, even though that can be really difficult to reckon with during the moment. This is actually a very Cancerian thing in nature since we can well observe on almost any beach the crab walking sideways. So too do the energies of life sometimes. It's not always a direct path to get wherever it is you think you want to go. And it's not always that true aim of a Sagittarian arrow that gets us where we're going. Sometimes it's things coming at us from an unusual angle that can shed new light on a situation. That is what cancer is really, really great at. So let's go over cancer more in depth. Cancer is a cardinal sign and it's ruled by the moon. It's also a water sign and it's the first in the water triad, Scorpio and Pisces. It's symbolized by the crab and it's also a negative sign or a yen sign. Uh, Not to mean that it has negative connotations, but it's more like a battery where the positive and negative end. It's just a negatively charged sign. Not necessarily a bad negative, just negative and charging. Cancers are the most self-protective sign of the Zodiac. Fun fact, the United States being born on the 4th of July is also a Cancer, so this explains a few things about the nature of our country, or if you're abroad, of the American United States. Cancers, being ruled by the moon, live in a world full of emotions. I look at all water signs like they are swimming in an ocean of tears. And either those tears are from laughing and being happy because they're so full of joy, or they're the other kind of tears, which come at less joyful moments. But still, they're they're swimming through those tears with grace and fortitude and resilience. Cancers being ruled by the moon live in a world full of emotions, instincts, and intuition. They tend to feel their way through the energetic tides as opposed to letting facts and figures play a huge role as opposed to, say, an earth sign like Virgo or Capricorn, who is all about the hard facts and figures. As a result, the amount of cancers who are natural empaths shouldn't be surprising. Family and comfort are big deals to cancers. They have a hard exterior and a soft puddle-like interior, so they use their pinchers to scare off anyone who isn't worthy of showing their softer side to, or aka letting them become close like family or into their comfort zone. As a result, the low side of cancer means that they can be really controlling or manipulative, 
but this is mainly directed at protecting the things that they find most important and valuable to their lives, aka their family and their home life. Typically, cancer acting in its highest vibration will act for the public good as well as their own sense of security and what is right for their family and to keep harmony at home. I think understanding the mythology behind cancer really helps to illustrate and understand the comprehension of cancerian energies. So let's go into that. If you really want to better understand cancerian energies, then you have to understand Hera and Hercules because that's where cancer comes from. And cancer in this story is an ally of the hearth and the home, but you can also see some of its darker sides and how it's manifested. And it's not always it's not always good stuff. I mean, cancer has a reputation for being really nurturing and soft and loving, but y'all, cancer can be really catty and kind of for no reason, especially if it feels threatened. So let's get into that. Hercules and Hera had a really tough relationship. In fact, the queen of the gods pretty much fucking hated Hercules from the minute she knew he existed. She really went out of her way to make his life as difficult as possible. She went to every extreme to make snubbing Hercules publicly and privately her mission in life for a while. She wanted to do anything in her power to make him suffer. And it's really kind of unfair to poor Hercules. Let's look at the family dynamics here. It all started before Hercules was even born. He was one of Zeus's bastards, the result of one of his many affairs. Remember, Zeus was married to Hera, and she just didn't like somebody threatening her claim on her dude. Again, she's the goddess of the hearth and the home, and she viewed any threat to her position as extremely dangerous. So, as a result... She took her wrath out on what she viewed as a threat. In this case, it was Hercules. So what happened was that Zeus hooked up with a mortal woman named Alclemene. Zeus, also known as Jupiter, disguised himself as this poor lady's husband in order to make love with her. And consequently, he impregnated her. The poor lady didn't even realize she was with the god, and in fact, her real groom came home later that night, and Alcmene also became pregnant with his son at the same time. So technically, this is a case of heteropaternal superfundation, which is where a woman carries twins sired by two different fathers, but to be fair to her knowledge, she only thought she was with one guy. Uh, She wasn't attempting to be an adulterer, Zeus just saw something that he wanted. So him being the king of the gods and Jupiter being ever expansive, he went for it. Uh, Come hell or high water and results be damned. And so Hera pretty much did everything she could from that point on to ruin Hercules' life. She even got the goddess of childbirth to sit cross-legged on his mother to prevent him from being born. But his mother's wise midwife was actually able to trick the goddess into believing that the twins had already been born, and so her efforts were pretty much of no use. Realizing she could be doing something more entertaining, she left. 
But after this, Hercules' mother was worried about Hera exacting some kind of revenge. Uh, so Alcamene exposed her half-god child, who was taken up by Athena to see Hera. Zeus's wife didn't actually recognize her miniature mortal enemy, and she inadvertently nursed him out of pity. So she nurtured the thing that she despised, which is a dark side of cancer, by the way. You can unwittingly sort of foster and feed the thing that you love, even though it's bad for you or seemingly bad for what you deem to be safe and nurturing and wholesome. So look out for that. So the super strong infant Hercules suckled so intensely that Hera pushed him away because that titty pain was just too intense. (laughs) It's said that her breast milk actually sprayed across the sky, and that's what formed the Milky Way. Hercules, meanwhile, acquired supernatural powers from this divine goddess's milk and was returned to his mother with those powers. Of course, Hercules grew up to be super powerful and strong, and despite her accidental gift, Hera was still on the warpath against poor Hercules. She actually sent down two enormous snakes to the baby's crib. Remember, snakes are symbolic of women's fertility and creation in life in other cultures, not necessarily Christian culture, but in other cultures. So just keep that in mind here. She sent down two enormous serpents into Hercules' crib so that the serpents could do their job and get rid of them, either by poison or by ingesting him. Unlike his twin brother, Hercules, however, was not afraid. and He grabbed the serpents and he pretty much just did away with them. His parents found him happily babbling away in baby gibberish, holding the strangled snakes as if they were toys, playing them like maracas. Hercules's strength and partial divinity was confirmed by this act alone. He was still a baby. He killed some big ass snakes and obviously that would be fucking weird to walk in on and be like, yo, my kid just killed some snakes and they're huge and he's like, playing some invisible drums with them. So you know that kid's going to be special. Hercules then grew up into a hugely powerful and courageous man, the kind of which legends are still told of because you know what? I'm still telling this legend today. Sure, he might have killed his own music teacher with a lyra, but overall he was destined for greatness and his strength really worked in his favor in the long run. He was prophesied an unusual future full of vanquishing monsters and myth-making. Hercules moved to Thebes, where he married King Creon's daughter, Megara, and started a family. Unfortunately, this is the moment Hera stepped back into Hercules' life, because, of course, where family is concerned, Hera is concerned, and she still views him as a threat. She drove him so mad that he murdered all of his children and possibly even his wife. After being cured of his temporary insanity, he fled to the Oracle of Delphi to search for a way to expatiate his sins. Basically, poor Hercules needed to absolve himself of any responsibility to this wrongdoing, to the destruction of his own family. 
And really, it wouldn't have happened if Hera hadn't stepped in. If she just let things be, all accounts are things would have been fine. Hercules probably would have been nobody to really write home about, except for an exceptionally strong dude who lived in Creon. He probably would have founded a dynastic rule of very strong kings. But that didn't happen, because he killed his whole family, because the goddess Hera made him cray-cray. After he went to the Oracle of Delphi looking for a way to absolve himself of the sins, his attempt was foiled by his archenemy Hera because she guided the Oracle to punish Hercules even further. He was sent to serve King Eurytheus, a man who was definitely beneath Hercules. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's it's kind of like asking Elvis to go write commercial jingles. You know, like he's just way, way above that station in life. But there he is doing it anyway, because, you know, the goddess has sent him to toil. Uh, so basically, Hercules was sentenced to work for this lesser king for 10 years. And it was during this time that Hercules actually completed his 12 labors, which are so famous. And this is when Cancer the Crab comes into the picture. When Hercules was sent to vanquish the Hydra, Hera sent Cancer the crab out of the nearby bog to snap at Hercules' feet to make his task even more complicated. Uh, And it was through this action that Cancer became a devoted representative of hearth and home and nurturing of family on behalf of Hera. So you see what I mean when I say y'all a bunch of catty ass motherfuckers cancers? That poor crab was sent out of its home in a swamp to go defend somebody else's mission of hatred because Hera felt insecure with her place in life because her dude was stepping out on her and happened to father a couple of kids. And it's possible that she felt insecure because Hercules was so strong and was so brave and was such a shining example of a unique individual that she felt like maybe her own progeny weren't going to live up to the task, even though that they would be full gods. So I tell this story not to point a finger and not to make cancers feel bad, but to be aware of these darker side tendencies so that you don't accidentally go on the warpath because of fear. You have gifts of nurturing and creating a wonderful, stable home environment. Focus on that. Anytime you're acting out of fear, you're acting out of baser desires. It ultimately leads to pain and hardship, not just for you, but for people around you. So focus on the high side. And this isn't to say that I hate cancers because I definitely don't. Some of my best friends are cancers. Everybody has planets and transits that go through cancer. So this is not a cancer name and shame game for sure. And there's way more to somebody than simply their sun sign or their moon sign or their rising sign. There's even more to a person than their natal chart. It's your entire history of experiences, your ancestors, your upbringing, your psychology, your personal experiences, your inspiration, your sex life, your love, your passion, all these things go into making you who you are. So I'm just trying to add a little bit of insight on how to maybe redirect those best efforts for a better result. 
and know that not needing to control things is okay. It's okay not to be calling all the shots. It's okay not to know what's going to happen sometimes and to know that the universe is probably working in your best interest, even if you're not there to oversee it. Let's take a quick music break, and then we're going to go into the high vibes and low vibes of cancer. This is Sex, Money, Feelings, Die by Likey Lee off of So Sad, So Sexy, because what is more cancerian than all of these things making you feel those feels? Late night, call you in the late night, trade love for one night, two pairs in a red one, so go blind now, I don't mind, the words that you don't say, no love when you hold me, no call on the next day, it's the one way, no, and now the sun is up, I'm coming down. We just blow it up, blow it out Sex, money, feels down Baby, don't you cry Sex, money, feels down Baby, don't you cry say that as somebody who has a lot of water sign playing very prominently in their chart, I strongly (laughs) identify with that song. And again, I want you to know, I really, really don't hate you cancers. Um, I'm sorry if that felt brutal, but it's definitely not meant to be, uh, (laughs) like, a trash cancer kind of episode at all. I just, I see and I feel how intense it can be to have all these feelings and emotions. And I mean, it's a cardinal sign. You've got a lot of energy there. And um, I think it's a really intensely interesting sign, which again kind of goes to show that with a full moon this time of year, it's gonna be an intense one, y'all. So uh, hold on to your little hats. Let's go into the high vibes and the low vibes. On the high side, 
We know that cancers can be super sensitive and patient and nurturing and kind. And yes, even the men are nurturing in their own way, usually by trying to toughen up those who might seem weaker than they might otherwise desire so that they can then become self-sufficient in the long run. I knew um, a guy, and I'm going to tell a personal story here, because just yesterday I had to go to his memorial service. Uh, This guy was my dad's divorce attorney. He was 75, he passed away, and uh, I kind of grew up with his kids a little bit while my dad was going through his divorce. My parents got divorced when I was five years old. My father is a bisexual man. My mother was a bipolar woman. And I know that they loved each other, but I also know that their relationship didn't work out with, even though they went into it with the best and brightest of intentions. And I'm the product of their relationship. And To everybody listening, I apologize for my personal Freudian moment. But maybe it'll help all of you listeners to understand me a little bit better. And uh, so going forward, my dad uh, was divorcing my mother, who was bipolar, and she wasn't very stable, unfortunately. She's an individual who has just pretty much rejected... uh, mental health treatment for her bipolar disorder. And I don't want to go into the details because that's really her story to tell, but I just want to share that I recognize how difficult mental illness can be to cope with. And it's, it's never easy. Everybody has their own story that they're living and their own journey. And mental health is hugely, hugely important, especially in the home. And since this is all about cancer, which is all about the full, like with, which is all about nurturing and the home and the hearth, I feel like this is an important story for me personally. Uh, so my dad wanted to have custody of me because he recognized that my mother was unstable and not the best provider. Not that my dad really had his shit together either. He, he didn't, but he, he saw that if he had just left me with her, my future would have not as, would not has, would not have been as bright as it could have been. And so he really, really fought to have, legal custody and legal say over my future. But at that time in the state of Georgia, there had never been a man who had had custody of his child, especially a girl child. Um, And the law was changed because of his fight with his attorney. And And by his fight with his attorney, I mean them working together as a team to unite our family in a way that had never been done before. They changed the laws in Georgia and the judge said that it was because my father had never beaten my mother. And I I find it really difficult and hard to believe that in the state of Georgia, that no man had never 
not beaten his wife before. But it wasn't until this until this court case, it was recognized to create a precedent for other men to then have custody of their children. So dad, I want to say thank you. Daryl, even though you're no longer with us, I want to say thank you. This guy, he was a cancer and he started a family law practice in Atlanta and he helped to change the custody laws in the state of Georgia so that men could have custody of their children if the mothers weren't the best fit to to have custody. And I know that he did this because my custody battle and my custody story was the custody case that changed the laws. My mother, whom I love, although I don't have a close relationship with her, wasn't the best parent for me to grow up with. And my dad recognized this and really fought tooth and nail against the system to have custody of his child, who I'm his only kid. What this meant in the 90s was that it took pretty much all of his resources, all of his money, and a lot of time and effort and certainly a lot of intense emotions to go against the grain of the system and have things changed. His custody battle lasted for seven years. The gentleman whose memorial I went to, actually, he was a cancer. His birthday was 4th of July, just like the, the United States. And while I was at his memorial service, I hadn't seen his kids in decades. Most of them recognized me right away. It was so nice. I have to say, I felt like I was coming home to an extension of my own family even though I wasn't born into that family, I was certainly welcomed into it. And it had a huge, huge part to do with this man's life work. He was a cancer. And so, and I think that having a family law practice is really reflective of being cognizant and nurturing in a very unique and independent kind of way. His life's work and mission was to help people's families heal after Things might not have worked out in the the ideal situation, but I can say with confidence and from personal experience that this guy, even though I don't have a whole lot of personal memories of this man, I know that without a doubt, without his work and without his influence on my life, my life would be completely different, way more topsy-turvy and up in the air, I'd be a less stable individual. And I certainly wouldn't know my dad as well as I do. This episode is absolutely dedicated to Daryl LaCroix and his family, the LaCroix family. Thank you for being there. I know it was a tough fight and a tough battle. And men can be nurturers just as much as women. And it really does take both sexes, and even non-binary sexes coming together, fostering an opportunity to progress things forward in the face of adversity to make tomorrow a better day than yesterday. Cancers continuing on to the high vibes, they can be compassionate and creative and incredibly strong for their size. It's their mission in life to take care of friends and family and those emotions that are so intense sometimes, but they drive us to fight for our family, for children. And even though it's considered a quote-unquote negative or feminine sign, the feminine is strong. 
It's important to know what you don't want just as much as what you do want in life. I hope that somewhat makes up for me saying that you guys can be catty motherfuckers. So with that, let's go on to the low vibes. Cancers, y'all can be gossipy. Y'all can be clicky. You can be somewhat isolated sometimes and uncommunicative. And this goes back to being self-insular and really sensitive to your surroundings. If you sense that somebody isn't right for you or your immediate family or your path, you have no problem with making sure that whatever projects or people that you care about are insulated from those outside influences. This can lead to some moodiness and some changeability. Remember, cancers are ruled by the moon, which is ever-changing. Everything is always changing, but the moon is the fastest, most cyclical object in our sky from our perspective here on Earth. So it can lead to clinging to comfort zones with those little crab claws, and it can lead to changeability and moodiness as a result. These aren't always good things, but know that even though these not-so-wonderful things can happen, they can happen and manifest themselves towards a higher ideal. And that's all we can really hope for, right? All we can really hope for is to give ourselves a little bit of time to be introspective, to recognize our own strengths and weaknesses, and then to work with them. And as a result, be kinder to others who might not have the same strengths or have very different weaknesses, but recognize our ability to help and nurture our communities. We're going to take a quick music break. This is The Cranberries with an ode to my family. We'll be right back with the rest of the show.
some plugs really quickly. First and foremost, I'd like to thank Adam McIntyre for reaching out and editing the show. Um, hopefully this will go well and we can edit and work on lots of other projects in the future together. I'm really hopeful and excited. He's a super talented, nice, interesting person and I can't count my lucky stars or I can't thank my lucky stars enough that he is on board with trying to help bring this podcast to the next level so that more people can hear it and more people enjoy it. And it's just a better experience overall. So thank you, Adam, for being part of the team. Also, I'd like to go ahead and plug the 2019 sneak peek reports that I'm offering. They're 75 bucks, but each report that I've done so far has been at least over 120 pages, and they cover the entire year, and they're personalized for the individual. Uh, because of that, I'm going to need your birth info, time, day that you were born, and city, and I can forecast the entire year's worth of transits for you. And it's such a valuable tool to help you use with your creative projects and just being able to kind of get a little heads up of stuff that might be coming your way. Also, uh, I'd like to go ahead and say that around this time, I'm probably going to be doing an Instagram live. So if you're listening to this episode around the time of the full moon in Cancer, then keep 
your eyes tuned to our social media at Blood Moon Milk on Instagram because I'm probably going to be doing an Instagram live all about 2019. So be sure to check that out, tune in, and send me your questions. If you have things that are on your mind, things that you're curious about, they can be personal, not so personal, like whatever. I you need no filter with me. I'm not here to judge you. Send me your questions via DM at Instagram at blood moon milk. And I'll try to incorporate those in the Instagram live that we're going to do. Uh, it's probably going to be on the winter solstice. If not that day, then around there. And I will, I'll be sure to post about it in advance. Um, so just keep your eyes peeled and stay tuned to our Instagram. Also, Uh, I'd like to go ahead and announce a podcast review contest. First of all, here are the rules. Write us a review. Find us on the platform that you listen to us on. Doesn't matter which platform. iTunes is kind of our biggest platform, but if it's not iTunes, great. We don't have reviews in other places. So really, whatever your preferred method of listening to us is, use that. I don't want to limit you. If it's iTunes, great. If it's Stitcher, great. If it's SoundCloud, great. If it's just going to the website, well, uh, maybe share it with somebody. Just send us a screen grab of your review via Instagram through our DMs or email it to us. Either one. Doesn't matter. It'll all come to me. I'm the, I'm the, <laughs> the person steering this crazy ship right now. Uh, so it'll all come to me. And in return, I am offering a free sneak peek at 2019 report, which again, it's valued at $75. It's going to be over hundred pages and it's personalized for you. So in order to be eligible, you've got to do this by new year's Eve stroke of midnight. This is over. I will email or message the winner, uh, depending on my hangover, (laughs) uh, on New Year's Day or the following day. But I will make sure that you have your report as soon as possible. With that being said, I think that's a pretty good incentive to go stop what you're doing and leave us a review, share us with a friend. That's how we grow. And there's no higher compliment than sharing our work uh, with somebody that you care about, with somebody that you think might enjoy it. Uh, So... With that being said, let's go on to other stuff in the sky. Right now, Uranus is retrograde in Aries, and it's squaring our nodal lunar axis in Capricorn. So be on the lookout for sudden disruptions that, you know, will eventually lead to forward-moving progress, especially where youth is concerned. So this, what does that mean? That means young people standing up to the establishment, asking for transparency in government, asking for changes, but also because of that, the status quo being upset and fighting back. How have we seen this in the past? Uh, recently, we've had the Yellow Vest riots in Paris. This can certainly throw your holiday plans for a loop, but look at the bigger picture. The last time I talk about our lunar nodes was right around the time of election day and with that lunar node moving into Capricorn which is all about reckoning with boundaries and being held accountable for our actions. 
I think that the election results being what we can now reasonably call a blue tsunami and with special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation moving into position to finger, (laughs) finger, I'm sorry, I'm crude, individual one, we can expect some developments on a national level and an international level as well if you are outside of the U.S. Outside of America, we've seen protests in France Because of the fuel taxes and the fuel increases, we've also seen major earthquakes near the Ring of Fire, which might seem like they're not connected, but they are. This is about a seismic shift in the way that our society functions. So be on the lookout for major big changes, especially ones that are abrupt, involving young people or youth, and also, I mean... You think that earthquakes might not seem like something that it has anything to do with youth, but when you think about an earthquake or a volcano or seismic action, what we're seeing really is the new formation of terra forma, new earth being created. This is reflective of our society as well. We're seeing people being elected to Congress and to government that are reflective of new youthful ideas in politics. And hopefully with more accountability, more transparency, and more results that are geared towards the benefit of the whole of society versus the privileged few. These quote-unquote earthquakes are literally shifting the very foundations of our planet and our society, much in the same way that the stars are reflecting these transits. So Jupiter's in Sagittarius, which is all about going beyond our comfort zones. Mars is conjunct Neptune, and Mars is the the planet that's all about war and about quick action. It's very Aries-driven in its energy, and it's conjunct a watery body. So be aware of possible naval activities, whether that's militaristic affairs or energized spiritual practice coming from your dreams. Because again, Neptune being a watery sign full of emotion, it's signifying inner knowledge coming to the surface through our subconscious. Also, it bears saying that this is the darkest night of the year. If you're listening on actual solstice, if not, I'm sure that you're preparing in other ways. But dark is symbolic of our inner forces, our inner emotions, our hidden desires, So let's embrace those when we're working on our manifestations and our energies this month. That means releasing what we no longer need and sending positive energy towards those things so that they can then manifest and grow into better, best-case scenarios for those entities in the long run, as well as taking time out to figure out what it is that we really want. Because it's really hard to ask the universe for something you want if you have no idea what that is. So we're going to take another quick music break. This is Moonstone by Black Mirrors off the album Look Into the Black Mirror. We'll be right back with Crystal Chakra's questions for mindfulness, manifestation, and meditation, and all that good stuff. All right. Enjoy.
I'd just like to use this as a little reminder. If you like the music that I play on the show, you can follow our Spotify playlist by going to the website, scrolling down, clicking on the Spotify link, and that will send you right there so that you can follow. All the music that we play that's available on Spotify for sure uh, is right there, and you can just use that playlist to do whatever you want with, really. Um... I have a huge respect for musical talent and music and musicians and the art form and really strive to give credit where credit is due as well as using music as an illustrative influence for a purely auditory kind of format. So uh, I, I don't know that I've ever said it before, but anybody whose music I use, I have the utmost respect for all of your hard work and talent that goes into creating that work. 
So with that, let's go into crystals, chakras, and questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. So if you didn't guess from the name of the song that I just played, the the stone that I'd really like to highlight for this full moon in Cancer is Moonstone. And I'll be fair, I'll be honest, I've talked about Moonstone before, but I think it's such a wonderful stone and so powerful uh, that it bears repeating. And there's more than one kind of moonstone. So there's black moonstone, there's rainbow moonstone, and they have different things. I think black moonstone is probably more relevant during a new moon in Cancer, where rainbow moonstone really kind of gets to share its full spectrum of brilliance during a full moon. So I'm wearing mine during my recording session right now to help kind of channel the energy of cancer, as well as all those intense emotional vibrations. So let's talk about Rainbow Moonstone just a little bit tonight. And also, in addition to Rainbow Moonstone, we've got Pearl, which Pearl is it's not the same kind of stone or crystal as Rainbow Moonstone. It's actually one of the rare stones that is made from natural life on the planet. Uh, the other one that comes to mind that I, I kind of lump into this group would be Amber, uh, where Amber is made from tree sap. A pearl is similar. It is made from an irritant and then transformed and transmuted into something beautiful to experience by a living creature. Uh, crystals, on the other hand, are purely elemental in the way that they're formed through experiences in their environment which is exactly what makes them so powerful in their molecular structures. They possess sacred geometry in their crystalline forms, and that's what makes them so potent as allies doing your manifestation work. I don't want to dismiss the intentions of living creatures because in a way... We we don't really get to talk about it a whole lot. That might be worth its all like special deep dive. Which which leads me to another point entirely. And we'll get, I promise you, we're gonna get into moonstones in just a second. Uh they're they're really one of my favorite stones, and I they bring me so much joy. Uh and I know they're one of my dad's favorites too. So like I promise you, we're gonna get there. But the the intentions that are are possessed by living beings when they create a a stone or a crystal and really pearl and amber don't really fall into the distinct categories of stones or crystals because they're they're neither uh but they are mineral material and they are formed by living creatures which i think is really really important to acknowledge Pearls represent purity of intention because it takes something very pure and distillate in creating an affable environment around an irritant in order to generate a pearl. And and so that energy is carried with a natural pearl. And that's why 
that's one of the reasons why natural pearls are so much more valuable, not just in, inter- in, in like monetary terms, but as well as energetic terms versus synthetic pearls, which are planted. Synthetic pearls are beautiful. They can be more beautiful than natural pearls in a lot of ways because they're more seamless. But natural pearls have that serendipitous fortitude that come with the universe inspiring and fostering that element of creative resilience that uh, a natural seeded pearl doesn't possess. Amber, on the other hand, is created over eons of uh, <laughs> life having its, its, its willpower to live, which is so cool. And even though I, I don't necessarily connect that with uh, cancer directly, I do find that Amber's energy is very, very warm and fostering of love, which does then in turn tie into cancer's energy of being nurturing and wanting to foster warmth in the hearth and the home. So with that, let's talk about moonstones. Moonstones are incredibly beautiful and subtle, and a lot of people sometimes confuse them with opals if they don't really know what they're looking at, which is okay. It's okay. It's a good opener for a conversation and saying, it's not actually an opal, it's a moonstone, and they are good at offering gifts of inner peace and inner knowing and helping to connect you with your third eye, which is the chakra that is most connected with cancer. So it makes sense for this episode, right? Also, this being the mother of all full moons for the year. Moonstones, especially rainbow moonstones, are adept at giving gifts of psychic protection. Rainbow moonstones seem to vibrate at a higher level than other moonstones, probably because they incorporate the vibrations of other colors as well into their properties. Rainbow moonstones tend to vibrate at a higher vibration because they incorporate all the colors of moonstone into their singular properties. Because rainbow moonstones incorporate all the colors of the spectrum into one singular stone, they're great at aligning all the chakras into one singular vibrational level. And you can use this to vibrate in alignment in a given direction. Because of this, rainbow moonstones integrate vibrations of all the chakras into one singular vibration. This helps to align our vibrational frequencies into a singular vision and goal into any given direction. According to Robert Simmons, they are stones of great light and they aid in the kindling of the inner light of the heart. Just as each piece of rainbow moonstone looks different from any other, so these stones remind us that our individuality is at the centerpiece of our hearts. Our individuality is precious to each of us. It's our unique piece of the puzzle that makes the whole thing work together. They help us find our own unique path that helps us to be of help to others and bridge any gaps that might be found. They aid in the facilitation and the activation of our rainbow light bodies by way of which our spiritual and ethereal light bodies can travel the many worlds that we all exist in, whether or not we realize it in this dimension. Rainbow moonstones are aligned with the energies of the goddess, and they can help one successfully empower the feminine aspects of one's energetic light bodies to be more in line with their higher vibrations and aspirations. 
As you might have guessed from our crystal that we're talking about on this episode, the moonstone, we're going to talk about the third eye as the chakra that we'd like to tap into for our mindfulness manifestation and meditation session. The third eye is thought to be the locus of occult power and wisdom between the two physical eyes, and it's often displayed in the foreheads of deities, especially equated with a god Shiva. It's also an idea or a physical manifestation or drawing or representation of the pineal gland. Fun fact, the pineal gland is actually named after the pine nut and has been thought to be the seat of the soul within the physical brain matter since the time of Queen Christina of Sweden. The pineal gland played a pivotal role in the philosopher Descartes' philosophical writings. Uh, He regarded it as the principal seat of the soul and the place in which all of our thoughts are formed. Modern science accredits the pineal gland as the producer of melatonin, which can produce all things related to melanin being coloring of our skin, as well as our helping to aid in our sleep patterns. The third eye is also known as the Ajna, or the Bruhu Madhaya, or the Divik Padma, or the Brow Chakra, and again, the third eye chakra. The Sanskrit name is the Ajna. You can both understand the world around you, but also implement your will through it. In yoga metaphysics, the third eye is where we transcend through duality, the duality of the personal I or me versus what is separate from the rest of the universe. It's a personality that exists independently from everything else, yet depends on everything else for existence. It's representative of someone who has passed through the throat chakra to speak their truth to the Ajna chakra and transcends and commands the five elements to become free of the bondage of time-bound consciousness. So it's really where you can begin to project thoughts through astral travel, astral projection, dreams, feelings, intuition, and emotion, which really does then connect back to cancer. It's really intense, you guys. I mean, come on. To realize that you're both at one, but also separate from the entire universe, but you also have a say in that. Woo! I understand why cancer can get a little bit snippy and protective. So with that newfound understanding, let's go ahead and move into our questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation And with that, I always encourage you to look at and understand which astrological house this moon falls in for you. And I'll put a link on that on the website at bloodmoonmilk.com. Check that out so that you can use that to then inform your own personal versions of these, but use these as a prompt to get yourself started. How can I make more time for family in my life? Or conversely, Let go of time with family if they are driving you crazy to make more time for you. Do what feels right to you above all of that. Let's really take a second to think about the themes of insecurity for a second. We talked about Hera and Hercules earlier in this episode. And who is it? What is it? Where is it that comes to mind that reminds you of 
Maybe you're in a Hera situation. Maybe you're in Hercules situation. Maybe you feel like somebody is attacking you unnecessarily. Or maybe you just feel this unbridled contempt for somebody that really kind of has nothing to do with you, but yet you seek to destroy them. What is that? How is that? Why is that? Investigate that. And then uh, maybe try to come to terms with sending them a little bit of that love energy that we talked about earlier. Because just letting it go is it's a good step, but wishing them the best is better yet. You are then elevating everybody to the next level. And it's all about leveling up, raising the vibration, and not being mired any longer in this place of hatred. And after you do that, take some time to really nurture yourself. What is it that you can do to nurture newfound interests, new time on your own, Friends that you might have made recently who might need nurturing themselves. People, places, plants, things. They all make your life more beautiful. But also, there might be somebody or something out there that doesn't necessarily directly affect you. That could still use your nurturing energy. And that could benefit beyond any expectation. Take some time out to give some of that ample nurturing energy to somebody or something that might really benefit. You never know the rewards you might reap from being kind and being open-minded and open-hearted. Yes, there are people in the world who will take advantage of you, but I promise if you go around being the do-gooder, that reputation will speak more about you than you can speak on your own behalf. And with that, take some time to get into some physical body of water. I know it's really cold this time of year, but if you can find a hot tub or a heated pool, or even if you're really, really brave, take a skinny dip in the lake somewhere. And uh, I'm sure if you are brave enough to do that, you're going to have one or two things that bubble up in the course of that adventure that bring to mind the things that are really, really important to you. And when you are thinking about those things, try to understand what it is about those things specifically that align with your goals. And maybe you might realize a thing or two about yourself. Maybe they're not the goals that you thought you had, or maybe it represents a shifting of goals or a shifting of who you thought you were. This can be a really wonderful time to shift your point of view and bring new energies into your life and and embrace a side of yourself that you might not have embraced before. So with that, I want everybody to have a happy full moon in cancer, a happy holiday and, uh, and kiss 2018, a sweet goodbye because 2019 is right around the corner. If you don't know what's in store and you want to know, I highly, highly, highly recommend you get the 2019 sneak peek from me. I'm biased. I think it's great. The people who have gotten it think it's great. They can't stop posting about it on Instagram. And I have to say thank you uh, because I have to be grateful too. I have to be grateful for every single one of you who are listening right now. You're making my life 
feel so full of wonderful opportunities and I, like I, I I'm just speechless, which is really kind of hard for me. I got to, uh, but thank you. I I see your post. I see you interacting with me on social media, and I see the podcast growing. And I want to continue to be there for you. And uh, I'd like to sincerely express my gratitude to Adam McIntyre once again for volunteering to edit this episode. Um, I see wonderful, great things on the horizon in 2019. I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be challenging, but I think it's going to be the good kind of challenging. And I'm always here for you. I like anything blood, moon, milk really is just Aurora. So feel free to reach out, talk to me. I want to travel next year. I want to do pop-ups specifically. I'm looking to go to Portland, Oregon, I, it's quite possible I'm going to be in Turkey and Nicaragua at some point next year, as well as out of country. In addition to in addition to being out of country in those two places, I would also like to be back in England for a little while, and I'd like to do a pop up in all those places. I can do one on ones. I can do needle chart sessions. Um, get to me. Get at me at Blood Moon Milk on Instagram or bloodmoonmilk at gmail, bloodmoonmilk.com. I also am available for one-on-one astrology sessions and couples counseling for like with astrology in mind and how to bring astrological insights to make your relationships better. Make sure you check out our interview segment with Dr. Mary Kearns. She and I talk about all things astral travel and Akashic records, so you don't want to miss that. Blood Moon Milk is written by me, Aurora Yarberry, and edited by Adam McIntyre. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next full moon. And this is Tears of Pearls by Savage Garden.
much for a great 2018, our first year. I can't wait for 2019.